Up next is the Daily Devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. Luke chapter 18. Verse 23 says, But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was very rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become very sad, said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter into God's kingdom. For it is easier for a camel to enter in through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into God's kingdom. Now Jesus, here he went on to comment concerning this man as he walked away. For it was one of those teaching moments. The man, it says, was sorrowful, but he still would not relent. Even though he no doubt knew that he stood on no solid ground, and and no doubt in his heart he knew he was wrong, he still would not surrender. Instead, he walked away. And people are doing that still. He simply loved something else more than God. Jesus went on to give commentary on this man and all those who would cling to worldly riches and or possessions over the needs of a lost and dying world. Once again, it's not the money that's inherently bad in this story, but the inevitable heart that follows that money. For those with riches so often become self-centered and comfort-seeking while those in need stand right outside their door, spiritually lost for the lack of some investment in their lives. Verse 25, in an effort to escape its impact, has been presented by the Prosperity Doctrine folks as merely an analogy, a hyperbole, a historical perspective. But you know, there's no reason, no interpretive reason, to take away from the point Jesus was trying to make here. And frankly, he made it well if we'll hear it. The needle referred to here in the original, it speaks of a surgeon's needle. So Jesus meant what he said. Preacher's Outline and Sermon Bible Commentary said something good about this, and I read, quote, Some say that when Christ means, what Christ means is this, that a man must be willing to give up his wealth, not actually give it up. This is tragic, for there's no meaning in willingness, no act, no true decision, no work, no evidence, no proof, no demonstration. Willingness is nothing more than a, a word. It is empty without action to back it up man who's truly willing does something. Conversely, a man is not really willing if he does not do something." End quote. Verse 26 of our text says, those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. All this talk apparently made the folks that were in church, quote unquote, that day, a little uncomfortable. It's always been easier to claim it's impossible than to believe in faith that God does indeed control all things, yes, even the impossible. People often get ramped up when scripture goes blatantly against the tide of public opinion. And generally, the solution is to quickly turn the page or simply move on and or not to render a godly verdict. Of course, then, no action is ever personally taken upon this. Peter, however, he had a different view. Verse 28 says, look, we have left everything and followed you. Now, Peter was here in defending himself or at least perhaps feeling a little precarious. 
We know that despite his assertion, history records that Peter had not really left all, even though he no doubt felt he had. He, like all of us, had a lot of mistakes yet to make and a lot of dying to self yet to occur. Peter felt that because he had given so very much, and he had indeed, uh, for sure we know he had, he felt that he had left all. But Peter had not left all of himself. Verse 29, and he said to them, Most certainly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for God's kingdom's sake, who will not receive many times more in this time and in the world to come eternal life. Now notice that Jesus here doesn't correct or scold Peter, but rather he, he actually encourages him with promises of blessings for his sacrifices. All those who have traveled Peter's path know the truth of this passage. When we read verse 29, we experience simultaneous waves of two seemingly opposing issues, both the extreme cost and yes, as well as the extreme reward of discipleship. Now, please note, this is not a prosperity doctrine message. Jesus already had taken care of that idea earlier, yet God knows how to bless. He knows how to please like only a father knows how to do. No verse in all of the Bible is more dramatically succinct on this issue than this verse. It is clear. And it speaks volumes in one, one simple sentence. Jesus speaks here of real life, abundant life, life large, eternal life. Verse 31, he took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written through the prophets concerning the son of man will be completed. For he will be delivered up to the Gentiles, will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit on. They will scourge and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. Now we know that Jesus had a very special relationship with his apostles. These 12 individuals had left the lives that they were born into, the lives that all their friends and their earthly family were still back home living. And they did it in order to crucify their flesh and to live from that time forward with a wholesale commitment to the kingdom of faith in Jehovah God. These guys were full-time servants in discipleship. Now note they were the only 12 in the realm of apostles. Therein because they were alone, uh, the individuals who physically walked with Jesus and were um, independently and individually called to this special role in history by Jesus himself. Now, however, the position of disciple well, that's not a unique calling today, as Christ calls upon all of us to be disciples. Yet sadly, most of those who accept this sacrifice of the cross, they're far less apt to give their lives in return. We are much too comfortable going to church and listening to yet another preaching message to get involved in a sacrifice. I mean, we'll happily take the sacrifice of Christ, but you know what? We're reluctant to do the same for him, aren't we? Jesus herein took these special 12 aside for private conversation, if you will. And with their position, you see, came a special blessed relationship, a closeness with Christ that few people will ever know. Like Moses before them, they would know the ways of God while the masses would only know his acts. We can read about that. Psalms 103, verse 7. Now Jesus, he shared with them the difficult and the hard things of the kingdom truth. When most today, 
Well, most people today only want to hear the niceties, the easy things of God. Jesus tells the 12 of his impending crucifixion and his triumphant resurrection from the dead. But verse 34 gives light into the situation by saying, they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they didn't understand the things that were said. So despite his clear sharing of this truth, well, it seems the boys still didn't get it. Well, they would one day. But at this point, such a reality simply didn't fit into their ideal future. But the father would make these words have meaning in time, for eventually they would find themselves in the middle of those yet future events. And standing on the promises that God had made them, they would personally decide just how much they loved him. Most anyone will hear his words, but you know only a select, select few will act upon them. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com. Music